0: We don't see any investor applications right now, but I think there's a distinction here and that's the difference between an investor and a speculator. I don't think the investors left, but the everyday, I got to 55 years old and I don't have enough money for retirement, so I better make a big bet on real estate and risk it all. Those guys are gone for sure.
1: Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. and this will be
2: the best episode ever well let's see what the viewers have to say about that welcome uh, back everybody to the tom story show this is our last episode ever in 2023 and then unfortunately we will be back next year you like that that's a dad joke steve hilarious that was pretty good eh uh if you're watching us yeah, we have. Absolutely. We've been hanging out together way too long. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, there's just one uh, New Year's resolution that we have that we'd like to pass on to you, is that 66% of you watch every single week and don't subscribe to the channel. And Nolan almost didn't even come back. He's like, that is such a bad number, boys. I'm not coming back till it's 50-50. So if you want us to continuously have great guests, you got to subscribe. Does that, does that make sense, Steve? Is that a fair way to put it? Just subscribe already. Nolan, I mean, can, we can Nolan tell them subscribe? Be. Actually,
1: yeah, Nolan, let's do the soundbite. Hey,
0: didn't you guys have like some some guys say that once you get a little bit bigger, some like really really popular, like someone everyone in the country would know if you got a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. few more subscribers, he'd come on. We're, Man, that'd be um, a big guess. If You want to know who it is? Tom, you better subscribe. Yeah, yeah right. Tom, <laughs> you know like this it.
1: Yet. Tom, you don't know this yet, but I am in contact with what I. Beam to be uh should i say that big Uh, tom i'm in contact with somebody that is so big um
2: it's unreal what would be great is if you're just getting run we should we we should get we we don't know him but we should get him on because people love to hear what he has to say oh absolutely
0: absolutely he's he's controversial but fun and entertaining yeah
2: yeah people know who he is absolutely Um, Okay, so audio listeners, thank you for being here. I hope everybody is getting prepped for a very, very fun New Year's uh, celebration tonight. Uh, Nolan, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Are you hanging out with the
0: fam? Are you going out partying like the old days? What's happening? Partying like the old days? It's 2023, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Well, we'll see if I... I don't even think I can party like the old days anymore. (laughs) Like, now you're like... I'm just gonna say everything controversial today. It's like now you have to take a weed gummy with your alcohol so you don't have the hangover the next day, right? It's like I don't know.
2: I heard like about uh, I heard about a real estate agent that instead of giving like alcohol as a closing gift, they're giving weed gummies. I'm like, oh, that's a little weird, but it's it's just as legal as alcohol is. So if your clients are yeah. into that, you might as well think about it. Yeah, Steve, Steve, what are you up to for uh, for New Year's? Um, oh, my favorite
1: thing to do by New Year's, man, is watch that East Coast ball drop and go to bed at 9 30 that's the way that's the way we do it on the west coast dad style forgot about that yeah you guys are yeah, man, that's you guys are a little bit behind we're in the future over here you are um, in the future. every time nolan every time i go to toronto i phone my kids and i'm like i'm in the future and they're like we don't believe you And i'm like look it's dark outside and they're like what <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> your poor kids talking speaking of dad jokes hey eh? So we got the three amigos back together. We forced Nolan back here, at least. I think, Nolan, this is the third official episode. You've been on several lives as well, but the third official episode. So we finally convinced you to come back. And, uh, man, 2023 has been an interesting year in Canadian real estate. Interesting in the, in the fact that I think it's actually going to play out opposite next year. And we can go into depth on that. What's your overall thought on what we saw this year with mortgage rates, with housing prices, like how do you look at this year now looking back and go, well, what happened?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a year of bad lighting. So I got to fix that to begin with. It's making me crazy. Fine. We'll turn that right off. That looks good. Yeah, it's, I think volatility is kind of the name of the the theme of 2023, and I think it's going to be the theme of 2024. I think the only thing that is going to be consistent between the two years is the amount of volatility and the amount of unexpected things happening in the economy that will continue to happen. And I actually, that's probably one of my biggest fears of last year versus next year is people not learning the lessons of 2023 and taking them into 2024 and making these same dumb mistakes, which is looking at forecasts, looking at, at what's going on, what's predicted to happen in the economy, watching episodes of stuff like this where we're going to talk about what's going to happen in the future, and then basing decisions on that rather than basing them on fundamentals. And and I mean, 2023, it's like every forecaster said the market's going to crash, the economy is going to go to be bad, it's going to, there's going to be a recession. And then it didn't happen, and now it's like, oh, we've got all this Bank of Canada stuff, interest rates are going to go down, and they're taking the forecast at face value when last year they were so ridiculously wrong, but no, nobody remembers that,
2: right? It is interesting, eh? Like, every year we look at the forecast and we recognize that even the top economists are more wrong than they are right and then the next year, we base everything on what's going to happen and what the new forecast is. <laughs> like like they weren't wrong the, the last year. and We're just going to take them at their word. Are you buying into the overall vibe that we're getting from these top people that, listen, not only are rate cuts coming, but they're coming faster than we thought going, going down?
0: No, I mean, I think at this point, I'm not buying into anything with respect to interest rates. It's been so... All over the map. I mean, you look at the the rate expectations between November and December. There's a fifty There's a fifty basis point difference between November and December expectations. That's a half a percent. Right. It took a month for it to change a half percent. It could change back just as fast, right? So I, I really like. I'm not buying into anything. And then by the time this airs, uh, we've got four of the five biggest shipping companies in the world who have stopped shipping through the Suez Canal. By the time this airs, I'm going to guess it's going to be five of five that has an inflationary effect. And it takes something as simple as that to change the outlook for interest rates. And nobody's paying attention to that yet. But remember what happened last time they let me drive that ship through the Suez Canal, and I caused all that inflation, right? Like that was one ship going through there. This is all five of the biggest shipping companies in the world or have stopped shipping through the Suez.
2: Can you edu- educate me on that cuz I've heard you talk about that you you said that last year on this episode as well. What what how does that change interest rates and housing prices through shipping through the Suez Canal?
0: Yeah, so I mean what happened a couple of years ago, right? Was you had two things. You had China not onboarding its economy as fast as we thought it, they would. And then you had the Evergrande that that got stuck in the Suez for the better part of I don't know a couple of weeks and that halted transport. And when you halt transport, that increases transport costs because now you've got all these ships or ships sitting idle, or you've got them taking longer routes, which means there's less shipping capacity. And then prices to transport things go up, which leads to higher costs of goods across the board, which leads to higher inflation. Same thing if you have any sort of an oil crisis, right? Mm. You have oil prices go up, trucks, ships, Things that transport goods run on fuel, when the fuel prices increase, that has an inflationary effect. And that's where you start to see bump ups in inflation again. So it and and what people don't realize is the things that cause inflation happen overnight. Like literally in a three day span, four of the five biggest shipping companies in the world stopping shipping. But the the amount of time it takes that for that to filter through the economy is is more delayed. So we could be in, sitting here in January or February going, well, was that shipping thing an issue or wasn't it an issue? Well, if it was an issue, now we could be looking at higher inflation again, and we could be having a completely different rate forecast. I remember you talking about
2: in previous episodes how The Economist, like the magazine, would put out like things to look for the following year and obviously they didn't have the pandy on there and and everything yeah. else that actually changed the world um, have you looked through have they put out that report yet for 2024 anything that they think is going to happen and these black swan events will 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 come in at some point that we don't
0: know but anything like headline news that you see from that i haven't seen their forecast article yet but they did at the beginning of the, of december as well as fortune magazine at the beginning of december both put out articles on how everyone was so wrong in 2023 uh, with respect to their forecast. I mean, you, yeah, it just no. you even put out a video, Tom. Yeah, I was I, wrong. I think it, the title was, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, I
1: it all, was actually, I was wrong again. Video. Yeah, we all put out that video every year. So that's, that's the best clickbait we got. So it's interesting you bring up um, shipping because I have, that I can think of right now, three clients in the database that are all working at the ports. Right? Big, it's a big source of uh, labor in Vancouver. And they're all saying the same thing like, the ports are empty. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is are the ports empty because demand is low? Or are the ports empty because there's nothing being shipped from overseas here because there's some sort of restriction on getting the goods here? And we're not sure which one that is right now.
0: Yeah, I think you're, I, I think. Part of it there's some certainty around part of it which is that there's been there's been an excess supply built up because of the shipping problems of 2021 and we're probably filtering through that to a certain extent but a certain extent of that is also there's way less money in the economy right now than there was 12 months ago which means everyone's fighting for the same dollars there's less dollars available which means there's actually less money out there to spend, and we're just kind of hitting the end of all the savings and the accumulated wealth that people are dipping into that. And that that's being signaled to businesses, which means they're probably not ordering the same amount of goods as they used to. And they also know that they could probably get it a little bit easier now than they used to be able to. Nolan, the National Post put
2: out uh, an article yesterday morning, and they called it the 5 key questions for Canadian real estate. And I wanted to go over these five key, key questions with both of you and get your thoughts on it. Because they're basically saying, these will be the questions that people need answers to to make an educated decision in the market, whether they're buyers or sellers. Okay, so so this is Canada-wide, right? None of our specific markets, this is country-wide. The first key, key question was, will prices bottom for real this time? So they don't think, and maybe Canada-wide data is showing that prices didn't technically bottom at the end of the last year. In Toronto, they did. I think in Steve's market, they did. Calgary is in La La Land. They're just shooting up. like They don't care what interest rates are. Everything's just selling. But So that's question number one. Will prices bottom for real this time? What do you think about that, Nolan?
0: Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, I think the organization that has the best data on Canadian real estate is actually the Fed in the US in their Fred database. Uh, you know, we saw a 20% drop in 2023 and depending on the market, and that's in real prices. So that's inflation adjusted. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see it being greater than that uh, in 2024. Like I think the damage that was going to be done has more or less been done. Uh, the question is, is like, where's the exact bottom that could take three years to pan out or we could have already hit it. We won't know until five years from now until we see it uptick to back to like mid-pandemic pricing. Steve, what are you smirking about over there?
2: What do you you want to say? 12 months ago was the real bottom. Well, in your market it was, apparently not for all of Canada.
1: Or my market, correct. I am not speaking about anywhere else. I I think looking at Canada as a whole is ridiculous. It's a fair statement. It's going to be stupid to look at it. But yeah, in my market, where a good portion of Canada lives, um, we didn't go below and if anything now like holy crap in the last couple of weeks has the market picked up it's crazy to think that over christmas the market's getting busier but inventory fell off the face of the planet last week Mm -hmm. which we saw coming and we're going to expect that when it rolls over to the new year that we're going to see another 10 or 15 percent fall off so we could be below four thousand active listings again in our market and interest rates are going Lower. So we've been told. I think we've been told. I think we're going to see a very, um, I'm not going to say busy in number of sales. I think we're going to see a very competitive beginning to the year, an extremely competitive beginning to the year. We had a client who hit the brakes because you know how you have like, I don't know if you track with your buyers and whatever software you use, but there's like favorites or whatever. Sure. Like they'll, they'll move the listings into their favorites folder. They had 19 favorites in their Like these are the, one of the 19 properties we would like to come look at this weekend. There was not one of them available for showing. They all had accepted offers. What price point and what type of property was this? These are $500,000 condos in service, okay. which is a one bedroom apartment.
2: Now, if they were looking at $1.5 million detached homes, I would I guess they'd have 90 <laughs> in the cart and 85 would be available, right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> yeah. Which is the opposite of your market. No one, I got to take Pumper Steve and just pump him down a level, right? He's trying to bring the market back all on his own here. Yeah. Um, I'm always pumping. Okay, always the- pumping
1: or objectively looking at what I'm
2: seeing as no. a professional in the marketplace. Couldn't be that. I would agree with you. Now, the second thing that the question they had, the key question, and Nolan, this is where we need you to come in here. Have mortgage rates peaked?
0: Uh, no. Mm. Depend, but my answer to that, the caveat of that is, what's the time frame? What's the runway we're looking at, right? Like, if you're asking me if, if between now and when I pay off my mortgage, if mortgage rates have peaked, I'm going to say... Absolutely not. Have they peaked for this cycle? Maybe. But again, like, if they let me drive that ship through the Suez again, and I get it stuck again, that could change really quickly. Um, I think there's, I I put out a video mid-December on this about, it was a video about the US economy, but the, the real purpose and the real tone of the video was about forecasting whether forecasts are designed to be accurate or precise. And there's a big difference between those keywords. So think of it like from the perspective of a weather report. When you get a weather report, do you expect it to be precise or do you expect it to be in general pretty close to what it's supposed to be, right? Weather reports are weather forecasts are designed to be accurate. So in other words, Mm -hmm. you're going to in general, like you're probably when it's forecast to be 30 degrees, You're probably going to hit somewhere between 28 and 32, and the precipitation is going to be most of the time pretty close to correct. It's not meant to say, okay, it's going to be exactly this temperature in this spot at this time. And same thing for these rate forecasts. I mean, even the Federal Reserve in the US, who's now put out their most recent dot plot, and is saying you're going to see probably a 0.75% increase in interest rates in 2024. Even the Fed is saying, do not rely on that because our dot plot is not something that's meant to be precise. It's meant to show general direction, not necessarily be accurate. And you've got so much confirmation bias right now with everyone wanting interest rates to go down that, you know, I I think we'll we see interest rates come down possibly, but there's, I still think just as much likelihood, 50, 50 chance that interest rates will go up versus down. So I think it's too early to call that. Do you think they
2: go up in 2024 interest rates What uh, from Bank of Canada or bond
0: yield, like fixed or variable? Bank of Canada. Okay. Uh, I think that fixed rates, I think we'll you'll definitely see lower in the first quarter of 2023. I'll tell you why in a second. Mm-hmm. But I think from the perspective of the, of the Bank of Canada, I think if you look at 2024 as a whole, even though the direction seems to be going down, even though everything is indicating they should go down. I still think it's a coin flip with the amount of volatility in our market of whether or not they go down 75 basis points or stay where they are or maybe go up slightly. And even the Fed in the U.S. has said, we're predicting 75 basis points down, but we're watching the data, and if the data indicates that we need to tighten, they're still saying they're willing to tighten. They had to tweak that after their last rate announcement because everyone went, oh, everything's going to be good. Rates are coming down. Market went crazy, and they went, whoa, 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 hold on a second, right? Yeah, they can't be too positive about it,
2: right? Or then the inflation picks up again and they got to they gotta kind of be negative. So most people that we've talked to at least or seen talk, Brendan Augmentson was on the show two weeks ago. He thinks they're going down a full percent in 2024. It's gonna be four rate drops of 25 points. Benjamin Tal was along the same guidelines. A lot of these, I feel like some of the economists are kind of in the middle. Some are really aggressive on the other direction. So you're thinking if you had to guess from zero to a hundred yeah. or positive, the other direction going up again, what would be your, your guess for 24?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I'm really cautious now about people thinking that I'm making predictions. Cause I don't do that. Cause forecasting is art, not science. But if things were, if everything is exactly the way it is right now yeah. throughout 2024, my guess would be that, yeah, 50 to a hundred basis points would probably be where they should be. My caveat to that is I think it's a coin toss as to whether or not think, things stay where they are right now at this moment. Let's look this, at uh, this a
1: different way, Tom. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Right, Hold that thought. Write that down. Hmm. Let's look at it a little, a little different way. Personally, I, if I had to guess right now, I'm going to say 50 points comes off next year. But the reason That's I That's the think conservative I, safe guess, yeah. <clears throat> I'm conservative yeah, I know every way except for how I vote 50% of the time. Um, <laughs> which people don't know about me. Um, Okay, let's look at it this way. I'm going to read you the dates of the rates announcements, and then you tell me if you think what they're going to do at that date. This episode is brought to you by Realty Ninja. Real estate agents, listen up. Realty Ninja has created over 9,000 Canadian real estate websites, and they are no joke. I've been using Realty Ninja in my business since they were a small little startup in North Vancouver. Tiny, dusty little office with old leather couch and all. But look at the ninjas now. Realty Ninja is the go-to platform for real estate agents in Canada. Websites are no longer a nice-to-have. They are a must. Your clients expect you to feature their listings in the best light possible. They expect you to go with Realty Ninja. The backbone of my real estate business is my website. I wouldn't pick any other company to host my website other than than Realty Ninja. Don't believe me? Go to my website. Check it out right now. Go to krproperties.ca and you will see that it's powered by Realty Ninja and has been for over a decade. They have all of the features I need to grow my business year after year, including lead capture, mobile-friendly design, built-in SEO, and so much more. The best part of Realty Ninja is it's totally free to sign up, no credit card is required, and you only pay when you are ready to launch your new Realty Ninja website. And no, that's not it. Sign up today at realtyninja.com Tom, and you will receive 20% yes, off of your entire first year when using Realty Ninja to host your real estate website. Their templates are super easy to work with yourself, or you can have the ninjas design something for you Like I did. Not only is Realty Ninja the best product on the market, but it's also affordable. Listeners of this show know that I am as cheap as they come, and I've been using Realty Ninja for well over a decade now. Start your free trial today. And when you launch, save 20% using our link in the description below and let Realty Ninja help you take your real estate business to the next level. And now back to the podcast. Okay, so how many are there total? There's, there's eight, eight next year. I thought there was normally 10, but there's only eight next year that I can see here. Um, According to Google, if Google's right. Okay, so first one, January 24th.
2: Are you asking me or Nolan? But just go for it. They're going to hold. Nothing hold. yet. Okay. March 6th. I would say hold. I yep. agree. Agreed. April 10th. Potential cuts on the horizon. I don't know. I so. think they might still hold there, and then they'll wait for the next one to do the first cut.
0: I agree. I think if everything's like the same as it is right now, they start to change their language in April. Mm. June the 5th. Is the next one in July? It's right after?
2: It's in July, yeah. So I, I'm going to hey, say... yeah I hang We're going <laughs> as the data
1: comes in. Come on, we're not... I'm just saying, June 5th. This is halfway now. This is the
2: fourth one of eight. I'm going to let Nolan go first on this one.
0: My gut tells me that they'll intentionally try to hold off until after the spring real estate market because they're really okay. conscious of the real estate market's effect on inflation and everything else. So my thought is June 5th is your first quarter point down. Okay. Okay.
1: Then July 24th. Happy birthday, Tom Story. It's right around there somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Day after. Um, I think they will go down 25 in July. I think that's where they hold.
1: And then we have three more. They're September 4th, October 23rd, and December 11th. So I think then your second cut is either September or October. And then you stay flat. So that's why when I look at it that way, that's why I go, okay, there's probably a cut and there's probably a cut and then a bunch of like flat in the middle. That's why I think that way. I don't think they're going to go cut, 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 unless you start seeing little big layoffs and other stuff, crazy stuff going on. Other problems.
2: I'm um, a little bit worried that if if our three markets start the way that we anticipate they're going to start, which is inventory falls off at the end of the year, things actually pick up to start the year. Again, not necessarily in price or sales volume, but action. Things are moving quickly because they're not moving quickly right now. I'm worried the market actually picks up a little bit where they're like, whatever that first cut was going to be, they push it one more, push it two more announcements. Because, but I think if you actually look and I had to guess for next year, this is for my market. I, we had a strong six months and a very weak last six months of this year. I think next year is going to be opposite. I think we're going to start weak and we're going to end strong.
1: I think we're going to start super, I think we're going to start super strong and then fade.
2: Strong on what? Activity or
1: prices? Um, as I, yeah, like on competition. So there's going to be a bunch of people that wanted to do something because nobody's done anything because we're having super slow months right now. Those people are all going to come out. Um, We're in a weird spot right now where you've got all these people that are going, holy crap, it was 639 in September. Now I've got 569 or maybe less in some spots. I heard of a 518 or something the other day for insured. Um, That 499 that I heard about, by the way, was absolute... uh, Dog shit. Like there was, <laughs> there was stuff connected to it that was unreal, and we we can cover that. But fifty thousand um, dollar cancellation. It was. Penalty. It was so bad. It was so bad. Um, but the, you've got this gap right now, wherever the general public thinks that the market is really bad, and you've got all these people whose affordability just went like, oh, I can get more for my money now, and sales are down. So the people that are acting in December, which we always say December and August are the best months in my market to buy. But you're going to have all these people early in the new year go, okay, I got some really good buys going on, and then that's going to start to catch up, and I think it's going to fade again after June and July. Well, right, I think we could
0: we could repeat this year again. We could absolutely. Let me provide some color on that with respect to the fixed rates, because as as of this filming, as of right now, this moment, three point zero eight is where the five year bond yields is at. The last time the that's five-year crazy. bond yield, that's what fixed rates are priced off of. So fixed rates right now are around 5%. Yeah, there's some under 5% mortgages that come with some stuff that Steve alluded to there. But as of right now, typical five-year insured mortgage is probably around 5.19, 5.29. So that is almost a 2% spread between the bond yield and, and the fixed rates, which is high. The last time that the bond yield was at 3.08% was May 15th. You guys want to venture a guess what fixed rates were on May 15th of this year or last four, year of 2023? something. 4.59. So what that tells me is that the lenders, now there's some capital requirement stuff that's changed since then, but that tells me that the lenders have half a point to point eight percent bandwidth to move interest rates down if they want to get competitive and think about this we are entering a market where there isn't going to be as many transactions we've also got more lenders those lenders are going to get competitive for that business they are going to lower their margins so when i said earlier that i think that fixed rates will come down in the first quarter they could actually come down as much as half a percent to 08 percent now here's the big kicker if that happens if the bond yields stay low and the interest rates that consumers are paying remain low, the Bank of Canada could actually get away with not having to lower interest rates because the market's doing it for them, which means they could get away with not having to make any changes because anytime that that, the Bank of Canada is going to make changes in the future, it's going to have an inflationary effect. So if, if they want to not have to do it, they can just create the expectation that they're going to do it. And that has the same effect as doing it without actually having to lower the rate.
2: I'm curious, Nolan, because before variable rates went on their little run here, uh, for a long time, as as long as I've been in this industry, the variable was pretty much always lower than the fixed, like n- normally. Now, I don't know how many times over history, maybe two or three ta- times it's, go- it's gone over the fixed. It's now been higher than the fixed for a long period of time. Is there any thought between Bank of Canada seeing what's going on with the five-year bond yields? I know they're separate, that Bank of Canada doesn't want the variable rate to be at seven percent with fixed rates at four and a half that that will pressure them to bring it down
0: i don't think it'll create any pressure but it's what's called an inverted yield curve so that's when short-term yields are higher than long-term yields so short-term rates variable rates are lower than five-year fixed rates right and usually what that is indicative of is a recession and when a recession happens, then central banks will lower interest rates. So usually it happens not as a result of the fact that those yields are inverted. It actually happens because those yields being inverted are a lead indicator of the fact that there's going to be a recession, which would cause the interest rates to go down. Right. So if there is a recession, yes, the Bank of Canada would be moved to the lower interest rates for sure. Yeah, the... Uh...
2: The third key question. We're gonna just keep following this list here. This is a fun one. It actually yes. works out perfectly. The answer, is, the answer is yes. Steve, don't cheat. <laughs> Should <laughs> no one can't uh, uh, see Nolan can't see our notes. Should borrowers lock in? Okay, so if your choices are right now, you're buying a property and you've been approved for a five-year fixed at 5.2, mm-hmm. or the variable is I don't know, what, seven, six six high sixes or whatever after prime minus whatever you get. Um, But you've been told by all the economists that know exactly what's going to happen with their models, that rates are going down, they could go down a full point, and then they're going to go down even more, and you're locking in for five years. Is there a chance that over the next five years, taking the variable now at seven with it dipping down slowly will pay off more than taking the five-year fixed?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, let me start by saying this. if there's a 50% chance of rain, do you take an umbrella anyways? I don't. I'm ill-prepared, but most people, the answer would be yes. But if you're looking at it, you're like, okay, or if it's like forecast, 50% chance is going to be minus 40, you're probably going to take a jacket with, you, right? I think, I think first is making mortgage decisions, financial decisions based on forecast right now is a big mistake. Okay. That's, Like That's a day trading mentality that has come about since the early 2000s, and it's like, I'm going to make this half a million to a million dollar decision based on trying to beat the market. You're not that smart. I'm not that smart. Nobody's that smart. So making that decision based on forecasts is dumb. So the people right now are going, take variable because interest rates are going to come down. It's like, are they? You know 100% they're going to come down, or you could lock in right now for... One and a half percent lower than what a variable rate's going to be. Um okay, take your take your variable rate mortgage. i and by the way, my my thought process on this has not changed since 2010, probably. Uh, and that is that you always take the lowest rate you can get at the time you get the mortgage. So if fixed rates are lower, you take a fixed rate. If variable rates are lower, you take a variable rate. There's like three times in history where that hasn't worked. One of them happened to be early 2020 when interest rates went up really quickly, even though the Bank of Canada said that interest rates were going to remain low until 2023 or 2024. Oh, and we all chose our mortgage based on what they said back then. And now we're thinking about choosing our mortgage right now based on what they're saying right now. Like, come on, let's learn a lesson. So I think, you know, 5% versus 6.5%, you're crazy to choose a variable rate mortgage right now. Mm. I think more importantly, you should be choosing a fixed rate mortgage with a penalty that's low enough that if interest rates do go down, you can switch, which means, so, and I and I need to say this really clearly and really loudly, don't get a five-year fixed mortgage at a big bank anytime in the near future because if interest rates are going to go down, you're not going to be able to benefit.
2: So would you say if you're going to go to a big bank and that's the option you've decided regardless of all the education out there, you should be taking a three-year?
0: Uh, no. I think if you... Uh, same thing if a 5 year rate's lower than a 3 year rate why would you not take the extra 2 years of of certainty like if we're going to have a conversation about choosing a fixed rate cuz that's what the market tells us we should be doing right now let's continue to have a smart conversation about it and go i'm not going to try to day trade this yeah and and i mean really like the best mortgage in canada right now is a 5 year fixed mortgage from either MCAP, that's not their Value Flex product; it's their it's their full featured product, or First National, or CMLS, or any of another like various three or four different lenders. Are these insured, or can you do uninsured with these as well? You can do uninsured with all of them. Yeah. Okay. But the key thing is, is they have penalty calculations that if interest rates do go down, are to your benefit, as opposed to a big bank who's going to have three to five times as high of penalties. I um
2: I've got two more questions here, but I'm I'm going off topic, off off the list. I, today. I don't get to say lock in.
1: I don't get to say lock in and just get your payment down and don't be a dope. Like, well you get just, your payment just down. you just said
0: it, Steve. So, yeah, yeah. so lock in. Lock in everyone okay. right now. Okay.
1: This is not financial advice. Um, we,
0: that being said, one caveat to that, if you have a variable rate mortgage already and you're sticking to, and you've been on a variable rate strategy and you're going to stay on that for the next 20 years because that's the right strategy, I might stick with a variable rate mortgage if it doesn't have a fixed payment.
2: Um, One thing we haven't had the ability to have the conversation about recently, Nolan, is um, our government who everybody loves, regardless of which way you feel on the political scale, they have come out and there's a mortgage charter now, baby. So is the mortgage charter all fluff? Were all these things already in place? Like, this list of things that they had that was going to save Canadians from high interest rates. Is that literally just politicians being politicians or is, is there anything in there
0: that's actually useful? Oh man, I'm on a rip to I'm in a mood. Okay. So <laughs> let me start by saying that like, if you identify a hundred percent as liberal or conservative, completely a hundred percent, you're just as dumb as the party. You don't like, like I can't get past any of, of these, like I can't take a side on any of this, but what I can tell you is that like the amount of deception and the amount of we think you are a complete idiot from the current government that has happened in the last twelve months mm. is like they're it's, it's like they're basically publicly saying to us either we think you are a complete idiot as a, as a Canadian or we're complete idiots. It's one of the two you tell us which one it is because like this mortgage mortgage charter thing, for example, is them saying us putting it as the federal government in writing dictates what the banks will do, even though we didn't actually make it a law. These CEOs of these companies are like, you guys are elected officials who are drama teachers and journalists. Unless you make it a law, we don't give a we're not doing it. Uh, shit what you think. Like, so this mortgage charter i mean basically the mortgage charter that they have is like the common sense best practices of banks right now and they just put it in writing even though most of what the bank they put in writing is stuff that the banks and cmhc and and say sagen and and canada guarantee have all been doing anyways so it's like they it's literally a, a it's like they're it's like a vote buying scam. It's like we're going to yeah. say we did this so people think we did a good job, but really we did nothing, which is pretty much what we've done for like the last five years.
1: Hang on. Let me let – this is how this goes. This is Justin Trudeau. Uh, hey, uh, Big Banks. Uh, what is it you're doing that's holding this crap together right now? Because I'm going to <laughs> tell everybody that I'm making that happen. Okay, cool. Are they, these are the things we're not going to screw people when their amortization goes all messy because we spent too much money. Cool, I'm going to say that out loud. Okay, bye, thanks. Yeah. And that's it. That's the whole thing. They've just yep. gone... Like, everything they outlined there was stuff the banks are already doing.
0: So, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Yeah. We I try. mean, just complete complete garbage. And there's so much of that with this government. It's 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 getting to the point where it's absurd how much... They are doing to just kind of like try to pull the wool over over Canadians' eyes. It's insane.
2: Now, one thing that has completely left the market. Hang on, oh. hang on, hang on, hang on. Is whoa, this, whoa, whoa, are We're going back to the list. We're going back to the list.
1: Okay, good, good. I, I thought yeah. you were getting off. off the
2: list. No, no, I'm Number going back to the four. list. I'm setting it up, Steve. Okay. That's what podcast hosts do. They set up the question. All right, Give I me. thought you were off the list. I was not Give me me a off the list. list. I love a list. Number four, please. Number four. One thing that has left the market in droves, but mostly on the listing side, is investors exiting the real estate market because their investments no longer make sense based on the interest rates today because they cannot increase the rent. I'm talking mostly about Toronto condos in this conversation. Now, number four question, the key question for 2024 is, will investors return to Canadian real estate? Because they were a big chunk of the demand that kind of disappeared. And it's, it's been very clear in the sales numbers. So do you think even if interest rates do go down, they're not going down enough in the next 12 months to make a huge difference on, on, you know, what's going to cost you to run this property, what rent you're going to get. But do you think they slowly come back? Have you seen that at all with mortgage applications for investors?
0: Oh, yeah, we don't see any investor applications right now. But I think there's a distinction here. And that's the difference between an investor and a speculator. I don't think the investors left. Yeah. The people who are investors, professionals, guys who know what they're doing, guys like Daryl Frankfurt from the other Canadian real estate uh, podcast, like he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. I don't think he left the market at all. But the everyday, like I got to 55 years old and I don't have enough money for retirement, so I better make a big bet on real estate and risk it all. Those guys are gone for sure. And they aren't coming back until the next time we see a run up in prices, which is probably another 15 years down the road.
2: Steve, what do you think? Are you having any investor conversations like lots are you working of working with anybody? That
1: think, yeah, lots of people that think they're going to do it, and but, pulled, but have not on. pulled the trigger yet. No, it's just the conversation happens really quickly when I'm like, "Cool," they're like, "You know, I'm looking for cash flow." This is how uneducated the average person is, and why they need to get in touch with somebody who is going to give them the the real deal because they go, "Cool, I'm gonna, I need an investment." And then we sit down and I'm like, okay, how much do you want a negative cash flow? And they're like, what do you mean? I finally got my 20% down. I'm going to now make money. And I'm like, guys, this isn't like break even is 40% in my market. And that's on a good year. That's with a low interest rate. So when we have that conversation, they back out really quickly. And this is where I kind of feel like the, um, this is why I have such a problem with pre-con. Because so much of pre-con is like, oh, don't worry. This is going to cover itself at this much down and and you don't have to worry about it for four or five years or whatnot. The the people that were are looking to invest as, let's call it a junior investor, let's call it someone that owns maybe their principal residence and they want to buy something else. Those, those people are, if they're educated correctly, they're not buying right now because they realize they can put that money in their RSP and probably be better off.
2: But again if you're if you're what Nolan just said is is an actual real investor not a speculator if you're looking at it right now okay so for the for the next 5 years you're not going to be breaking even you're going to be pumping in 500 bucks a month or whatever it is mm-hmm. but you're long term and you're like you know what I look at everything going on I look at the next 10 years of potential interest rates. I look at our immigration levels. I look at the fact that we are not building housing at the pace that we need. Yes, we're building some stuff, but it's going to be rental inventory. Are you not going, listen, the prices might be actually pretty low right now. Then 10 years is going to look really good. My mortgage is going to be paid off 30% by then.
1: Do I get to classify as a junior investor? Because I, I mean, I have two sets of tenants. Is that still? But here, here's where my mind goes right now as somebody that's you know doing okay. I'm like, okay, what's my next one? That's what I'm looking at right now. Ooh. That's it. Well, and when Tom messages me yesterday and says, "Hey, look at this deal. What's going on with this deal in your market?" and I was like, "Wait a minute. Is Tom reaching out to me because he wants me to be his his realtor, or is Tom reaching out
2: to me because maybe I get to put some money
1: in this deal?" Like that's where my mind starts.
2: Do going you want to put right? money in that deal? We'll talk uh, about I this might, offline we'll with Nolan too. Process. But we <laughs> we we were we're moving a little forward with that, so we'll chat offline.
0: I'll tell no, you where. I'll tell you. But I want to.
2: Well, sorry, in. sorry to interrupt.
1: Let me finish my thought. Yes, I'm looking at right now. How do I position myself to get the next investment, whatever that is? And I think that's where most people should be all of the time.
0: Here's here's where the real investors are going right now. Is they're going to building CMHC uh, construction finance rental properties because there's now no GST on it, so there's a five percent lift thanks to the federal government which doesn't affect most investors and most housing, but it affects those builders that are definitely not passing it along to the consumers. Even though the liberal government would like you to believe that they're not taking that as profits, it's an incentivization to build those properties. And that's where real investors are, are going right now. And the, the money's cheap on it. 50 year amortizations. Like if you want to, If you can do an amalgamation of three or four lots and and build a property like what frankfurt's doing like that's where the investor money's going now that being said i think that now that we've seen prices come down a little bit this is where if you're going to continue to be an investor this is actually where you start looking for deals um, because you've got that combination of the prices have come down and then and then you're also trying to buy properties that you can add value to and what people don't realize is it's not about buying a precon invest buying a pre-construction is not investing, That's speculating and hoping the market goes up. Investing is finding a property that is way undervalued that you could sell for a hundred thousand dollars more if you put fifty thousand dollars into it. That's being an investor. Or yeah, you could
1: rent it for more. Hard. Hard. That's but, super hard to do anywhere, like in our markets though. Like But unless, there's lots
2: like, of there's lots of condos it. you can buy in Toronto right now that you're buying below replacement cost. There's lots. Mm.
0: That's True. interesting everything, to me. Everything's below
2: replacement cost. Not everything. Mm.
0: The question is is replacement cost going to come down? Like I can buy two right. by four for like $3 now, which I couldn't do two years ago.
1: Do you need insurance? The answer to that question is obviously yes. Of course you do. Whether you are a tenant, landlord, or homeowner, you need to insure your property and belongings. And when I insure my investment property, personally, I choose Square One. Square One is affordable online insurance for everyone. If you apply for your Square One insurance policy using the link in the description of the show notes, listeners of the Tom Story Show can receive $20 off right now simply by going to squareone.ca slash the Tom Story Show. Square One is no joke. I personally use Square One for my landlord policy on my investment condo. I picked Square One because they were easier to work with than other insurance companies. And when I had an issue with my previous policy coverage in relation to my Stratas coverage, Square One was the insurance company that came up with a solution for my insurance problem at an affordable rate. Online quotes take less than five minutes with Square One. Get your home insurance quote today at squareone.ca slash the Tom Story Show and save 20 bucks.
2: That's a good point. Um, okay. Number five, and then we'll end our, our little, uh, key question part of this podcast, which has basically been the whole podcast so far. This is a pretty simple thing, I guess. Will
0: affordability improve? What do you think, Nolan? Yeah, I mean, markets always come back to balance. So the question is how will it improve? Is it going to be incomes are going to come up or is it going to be values are going to come down or is it going to be cost of borrowing is going to come down? Uh, I think it's too, soon all that it'll definitely improve because markets always balance.
1: Sure. Steve? Shout out Jordan Skrinko. Let me share with you the article that he brought to my attention, which is July to September. It was reported that Canada brought in 430,635 new residents. July our target, to September? Our target for the year is 500,000 new permanent residents. Now, this doesn't say permanent residents. It says residents. So that includes, you know, students that are now paying double or whatever for their tuitions and all that stuff. But that was in one quarter. So when our target is 500,000 people, we might hit three and a half times that target. So how is affordability going to get better anytime soon? My actual... Real problem with this is not the housing market at all. It's going to be the healthcare system, Mm -hmm. right? Because last time I checked, you don't think they're building enough houses. How many hospitals do you think they're building? Um, Canada's current population, when did we pass 40 million? It was like April or something, wasn't it? Earlier this year, yeah. Yeah, so we're now over 40.5, so 40528396 according to this. So it, sorry, it has grown since January over 1 million people since January. And we're
0: going to continue this rate, by the way, from now on. We're now bringing in more people than the U.S. that has 10 times the population we do. Right. So how is that going to work out? That only has people like Jordan,
1: who I believe is, you know, even looking at, Yeah, I believe he's building projects and and thinking about leaving the country even. And now he's going, holy crap, guys. Hold on to your hats because this is coming your way. You can't funnel this many people in and expect affordability to ever return in the major markets. Let's get serious. Affordability in a lot of places is totally there. No. Affordability, I mean, we had Brendan Augmenton on, uh, Nolan, and he was basically saying their modeling is – averaging at like eight percent growth for the next decade still in our market in bc sorry that's the whole province and he says it doesn't re- affordability doesn't return and for another 12 years or so
0: that's yeah, their I modeling think that's, i think that's the key point is it's it's not a quick rebalancing it'll take a while but what it, it will happen and and the way it happens is simple it it Canada becomes a less attractive place to go to. The healthcare isn't as good as it used to be. The the prospects for prosperity aren't as good as they used to be. People stop coming. People start leaving, and that equation shifts over time. But is, the question is: Is it a five-year timeline? Is it a ten-year time year ten-year timeline? And I can tell you when it starts to change. It starts to change in 2025. The best thing the Liberals could do right now is call an election because they might have a chance today. But if we get to 2025 and the affordability chances, or the affordability <laughs> I saw Steve's face there, that was funny. <laughs> uh, the affordability numbers continue to get worse between now and 2025. They're literally going to get themselves voted out of office just on that issue alone. But have the
2: Conservatives said that they would actually change immigration numbers or targets? Has not talked about that at all.
0: Hasn't but okay, what, like- when. When the election cycle comes up, that'll be the biggest point. And I'll tell you what, that PP guy will say whatever he needs to say to get elected. Oh, 100%. and percent he'll, and, and he'll do it, which might be even scarier.
2: How did we get to this level of wanting to grow the country this fast? Like, I was never tracking this before. I only really started to be aware of this, you know, since the pandemic started and we started seeing these numbers at what moment and i get it the boomers are getting older and we need more people to the workforce and i i get all that but what was it before was it like 250,000 before and one year one day we're like let's do a million like what happened
1: uh yeah pre pandemic spending- it was averaging between 260 and 290
0: a year so what happened they need to they need to support the spending with a higher tax base so here's the thing immigration is great for a country and there's like there's zero argument that when you have immigration, you have a growing economy, and in the long run, it is good for an economy. The where it's bad for Canada is when you do it without the amount of housing. Mm. But here's the here's the dichotomy, and they're facing this in the U.S. There was a CNBC article, maybe it was a Fox article. Doesn't matter. It was pretty accurate, uh, regardless of which side it came from. But what they were talking about is the fight between monetary and fiscal policy in the U.S. So in other words, the, the central bank is doing everything it can to reduce money supply, but it doesn't really matter because the federal government's borrowing and spending, which has the opposite effect. We're having the same thing here. But the thing is for, for Canada is we need the higher population base and the higher tax base for the record amount of spending that is being done by the federal government. And that's the only way to balance out the amount of money that they're spending, which is why they're pro-immigration. And then on top of that, every single person that they bring into the country who comes in under a liberal government that accepted them is more likely to be a liberal voter as well. So it's, it's, it's a political piece and it's also a spending piece. And it's gotten us where we are. And there's not enough Canadians having
1: enough babies. So that's the other option, right? That's what it need needs to, to be. When, uh, when we have this many people coming into Canada, right? But, but immigration, if the population kept growing and didn't drop down to an average of like under two kids per family now, you wouldn't need that, right? Like our, our population growth is negative when you look at birth and death rate, Yeah, right? It's negative.
0: I mean, I, there's also a 20-year lag there, right? Because you need to bring in – they have the effective growth that you see from immigration. You either need to have the birth rate, be what you need it to be 20 years ago, or you need to bring in people immediately that are of working age. Mm-hmm. There's one but thing But there's
1: that, just not like most yeah. people I know. I think of my, my daughter's friends. Most of them are single children. Most
0: yeah, you're it. right. I mean you're bet you're right. You're you're dead right. Like it's because we're not having enough kids to support the growth that we want to have in the economy, right?
2: I've seen a trend, and I'm sure Nolan you've seen this too on YouTube, is uh
0: at,
2: at what point does it get that the people that are that are immigrating here and whether they're using Canada as a passage to get to the States or if they really wanted to always come here, whatever it is that they thought that they were coming to, there's this trend and these videos get millions of views on YouTube is why I'm leaving Canada, why I'm doing this. And do you think there's anything behind that? Or is that just a fun thing to click on because
0: it's a controversial thing? And No, I think the big one you're talking about is there's a gal, I think her channel's living in Canada, right? Uh, it's It's, like it's a really well-produced video and a lot of these are really well-produced videos, but they're, they're looking at like $60,000 incomes in, uh, in Toronto. And right. it's like, yeah. well, hold on a second. So you're looking at a minimum wage job living in Toronto and then you're completely dismissing all the suburbs and everything else. Like, it's like, you're looking at downtown condos versus minimum wage. It's like, it's yeah. a bad comparison. Wow. And then they look at, she looks at Vancouver as well. And, um, I think I think that's why you're seeing so much growth in Calgary is because Calgary has pretty significant income, um, average income. It's relatively comparable to the other big markets, but the housing prices are way lower. So I don't think necessarily people are leaving Canada, but they're definitely leaving Toronto and Vancouver for cheaper areas, and that's why you're seeing the areas like ours have more activity. This stuff ticks me off. I'm Mm.
1: so sick of it because all of these whiners, absolute complaining whiners are going and saying things like, look at the Philippines, look at Vietnam, look at Mexico, look at wherever, Colombia, how awesome it is here. Cool. You know why it's awesome there? Because you took all of your high-valued Canadian dollars that you've earned here and you're taking them to paradise, quote-unquote paradise, and now you don't have to earn the locals income there right right my uh assistant that's been with me for 10 years from mexico city she's not living in mexico right you uh, tom when you and i went to mexico we uh, i might have been with darren we're sitting at the bar and the guy was asking the bartender was like you know just out of curiosity like what does this trip cost you we went over the cost and he's like i just want you to know for your flight alone if i was gonna pay the same amount as you did and leave from Mexico to visit Vancouver. Just the flight would take me over a year to save. Oh my gosh. Just the flight. And he's like, now I have to find somewhere to stay. So people don't understand that when you go there and you live, sure, you might you might be able to go become a, a software developer and live on a beach somewhere, maybe. But let's face it, if you're an electrician, you're way better off in Calgary than you are in Cancun hundred right? it's just not going to be that or any beach anywhere in the world so stop whining because you're taking a perspective of coming out with all this cash that you earned in an amazing country and now you're going to go to somewhere that has no infrastructure and you're going to brag about how well here i can have a cook yeah but what are you paying the cook there the cook is you here right right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just a bunch of whining complaint. You're not going there to earn four cents a day, right? You're taking your Canadian $100,000 income and going living there and being like, Oh, it's, this place is way better. Of course it is.
0: You stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. If you're listen, if you're betting against Canada or the United States in any way, shape or form, I think you're insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like the, the two best places in the world to live are none quality of life, Um, There might be some places in Europe that are comparable, but I mean, if you're betting against North America, I think you're insane. Well, people are obviously betting for North America where their dollars are going because people Mm -hmm.
2: from other countries that immigrated here put their money into Canadian real estate or North American real estate, and there must be something behind that, right? Um, Steven. I have two things, Tom. I know we're getting
1: close here. This is flying by. I have two Mm -hmm. things. One, a big one is the EV thing. So Canada's done this thing where what, twenty percent of vehicles in the next two years have to be electric mm-hmm. and within the next ten years or eleven years or whatever it is, they have to be a hundred percent electric.
2: So they're gonna start building us some chargers because I don't see any chargers anywhere.
1: Well, let's not talk about that in the sixty percent of the land mass in the winter, electric vehicles don't work in them. Let's not talk about that. Like let's not worry about that thing. Um these are all like downtown Toronto or Ottawa problems that they're they're like taking that perspective right but i'm sitting here thinking about this so there is a a complex by me of which i my plan so far has been like that's the executive condos i want to retire into when i downsize that's those are them but um currently i know someone that lives in there and they cannot run enough electricity to the complex to put in a charging station
0: Hmm.
1: they have the way it's just kind of right near um it's near a golf course like the electricity like is having trouble getting there they would have to run it from like six blocks up run a new set of wires to get enough amperage into the complex in order to run these charging stations and it would cost the complex something i don't know however many millions of dollars to do this right so you've got now that's one building so you're building all of this stuff right now and the new stuff might have charging stations maybe most of it has no parking by the way that's the new trend That's the problem I have with the conservatives is they're talking about eliminating any need for parking anywhere in their housing builds, which I think is also stupid. But now you've got all these buildings, let's say the ones that are built in the 90s and the 2000s and now the 2010s and whatever else is after that, that don't have any of this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be torn down anytime soon. So what are you going to do? Tear those down and rebuild? You're going to try and get EV charging stations in there? Right? Like how it ties to real estate now is totally unrealistic. If you can't have those vehicles have any way to get charged, what are you going to do? Go spend your Saturday every week charging at the station down the road while all of your neighbors are doing the same thing? Like it's not realistic. This plan they've put in place is not only stupid for Canadians – but it's not realistic. And by the way, the manufacturers cannot make them fast enough to even get the minerals out of the ground in order to get us these
2: stupid things. Can I just wait, make wait, a statement? Yep. Sorry. Just, so, just to be clear for the viewers and listeners, Steve is not – Steve, you're not against electric cars or clean energy, right? You're just against the way that they're rolling it out and forcing it to happen and the, there's the idea versus the implementation of the idea. Just to make that very clear for people. You have to. So what they did
1: is they adopted exactly what California did and went cool. Okay. Well, guess what? California, a lot more sunshine, a lot mm. more solar power, okay. a lot more ability for those those vehicles to work, and the way climate. higher taxes. And yeah, well, that too- no,
2: Nolan was driving his Cybertruck this morning. I think so. Yeah, but your approach to this climate
1: thing needs to be based on more than an ideology. It needs to be based on the fact that where the real estate is located. How well do you think the solar energy is going to work in December in Yellowknife when they get no
0: sun for 30 days? So what you're saying right? then is that the government is making more promises that they can't keep.
1: Not even – didn't even consider if it can be done. No. No.
0: And, and, and right. they're treating it like it's putting a man on the moon and it's actually significantly more difficult to completely change an entire country's infrastructure than it is to launch a rocket, right? You I know what the I'm next gonna one need, they're going to do? They're, they're going to promise a free unicorn to every family in
1: Canada by 2035. Sounds like a great plan. I want a unicorn. But only if you're, if you're new to Canada. <laughs> well, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the, the thought behind it. Listen everyone in a sunny country by the border 100% let's run solar and let's get those people on electric vehicles and reduce emissions even in vancouver maybe even in calgary for sure in toronto but if you think that's going to work in half of these rural places like where are you going to charge when you're in uh vanderhoof bc uh um, right I don't even know where Vanderhoof is. I have no idea what that exactly. is. Exactly. The next exactly. Town over. It's an hour outside of Prince George, which is a small town, so it's an even smaller town. So and you sure, you have a... a little, but you got to drive two hours to work every day. Like, this is what they don't yeah. understand. They think everybody's living on Parliament Hill and walking to work from their, from their
0: government-funded condo. Like, it's just not realistic. And I think that's the point I've been trying to make, is they really just don't understand. And they don't get it, but and I, and i think that's why you're going to see the shifts start to happen and and the first one i think is going to be when there's an election.
2: Hey, friend of the show Ravi was with uh, JT the other day in an announcement somewhere in BC. We should have asked him to pass along this information. It's we're too late now, eh, Steve. Well, i mean they're they're all toting the
1: same well they're toting the same thing now too, right? Like Ravi brings in the hey, here's our new house plans for our fourplexes and then two days later the federal government's like Oh, don't we have some of those plans? Did you see the wartime housing? I didn't uh, see it. I heard about this, but I haven't looked into it yet. Okay, so this is what they did with wartime housing. They they basically made these plans for these houses, and then they went, okay, you can build this house anywhere. And it took, so I watched a whole thing on it. It took, by the time the supplies got to the site, 36 hours to erect a house, an individual house. Most of them were i did not mention if they were connected to plumbing because this was the 40s by the way where it wasn't uncommon in my area to you know you could still possibly have outhouses Hmm. so it was a two-bedroom 800 square foot if you were lucky house probably a little bit smaller than that first of all they needed the land to put it on which we don't have around here right like this is not realistic you did it have a washer and dryer nope did it have a laundry room? Did it have an, it does, it's so stupid. Sure, you could, you could put up mini houses everywhere. You could put up container homes wherever you want. Go ahead, put up container homes. Who the hell's going to live in that? Do you know anybody that wants to live in a container home besides maybe an artist that thinks it's cool or the homeless guy that doesn't want the tent anymore? I think no, people, will know we'll rent, I think people will, would rent them. I think it'd be a cool alternative to rent. I think you would be shocked at how many people would turn their nose up for them and compete for a proper apartment.
2: It's not realistic in today. My God, Nolan, Steve's on a roll today. Eh? He's a, mad, no, I he's have, a mad, I have, mad man.
0: I brought it out in him.
1: <laughs> I, have, I have one more I want to get Nolan's advice. Steve, on are you gonna be
2: week. cranky in 2024 also or, or just 2024? I'm not cranky, man. I look back at the numbers this year and I was He's like, enlightened. Hey,
1: He's enlightened. He's enlightened. No, I felt good about the year. Like, how do you feel about your business year this year, Tom? Like I had my best was- I had my best year ever. Really? No, wow. I didn't do that good. But I did well. Yep. Like yeah. it was it was really nice to look back and go, holy crap, because I was talking, I think we were talking
2: last week about people switching brokerages or leaving the business. And I'm like no, we didn't have any problems this you year. You know what's kind of interesting? And this goes back to Nolan. So we found out two days ago. This isn't like, well, it'll be public knowledge when I say it on this. But our team was number one in all of downtown Toronto for transactions. All of wow. downtown Toronto. That's what i looking at. Yeah, okay. you know, everyone okay. else had a bad year because the market changed. And you know, you know what made us number one, Nolan? New business? YouTube. 100%. Good for you,
1: man. That's awesome. Which is crazy. i going to... I'm gonna get a bus bench that says, "My friend is the number one realtor <laughs> in Toronto." Well, it
2: might only it might only last. We were number two last year, so we've always kind of been there. But I never thought we'd crack it. So, but that's okay, last the new thing, Last new business. thing I want to
1: cover before we keep Nolan too long. We've had discussions about my personal mortgage. Mm-hmm. It's up now in just over a year. Actually, this time. Hopefully, I gotta look <laughs> at the date. I think it might be April next year, or next next year, because next year's tomorrow. So. 25. Let us I want to go on record here. Let's have a guess cuz I have a guess at where I'm going to renew. At the rate? I at a fixed rate. If I take a fixed rate next year and keeping in mind that I will stay with Manulife to keep the Manulife one. I was gonna ask, are, me are you getting it from me or you getting it from them cuz it's higher if you do it through them? Uh <laughs> if you stay with Manulife, they will negotiate out your fee. They've told me, so they say. We'll see. Yeah. <clears throat> um, no, but just staying with your bank, you're going to save a little bit of a point, right? Um, but let's say, for instance, just let's say five-year fixed rate in April of
0: 25. Where do you think April of 25? If it was April of 2024. I'd say you'd be 4.89. It's April of 2025. I think you'll actually be either pretty close to that or potentially a little bit higher.
1: Nolan, I'm going to say you say four point eight nine two four point
2: nine nine. Tom, where do okay. you go? I'm going to say four point seven. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making it up. I have no idea. Four, four yeah, yeah, it would six, be easier no. if it was if it was like in 2024, the 2025. Who knows? Yeah, I, okay, I'm going to say I think four four
0: nine or less. Okay. With manual life, not a chance. Mm. It helps with me, maybe, but with manual life, not a chance.
1: Mm, good point. Four, five, nine or less, and I'll bet you hundred dollars to your favorite food bank. Done. Okay, um, so
0: let's do this. Let's do. So I have. By the four, way, you're, you're going to do really well on this because I am historically awful at this. Why mm-hmm. don't do forecasting? So more than likely, you're gonna win, which means you're gonna end up with a really low mortgage rate, which is great.
1: Let's do an. Let's actually do an over under because you said four nine. So let's do an over under at four six nine. Anything under that,
0: you pay. Anything over that, I pay. Done. In tomorrow's okay. dollars or today's? Because we could, that could be right. adjust seasonally <laughs> adjusted <at> real values. <laughs> um, uh, this has been uh, this has been my favorite one, guys. I like it. I I
2: love this end of year episode with with Nolan. It's always fun. I know you're not a New Year's resolution guy. We've talked about that before, but is there anything you're working on right now, or you've been working on for the past few months that you're that you're thinking about personally or professionally going into next year?
0: Yes, I I got I got a chance to talk to a guy named Jesse Itzler, who I don't know. Some people will follow him, some people won't. But he's married to he's an entrepreneur, incredible entrepreneur in his own right, but. Uh, he is married to Sarah Blakely, I think is her name, the woman who started Spanx, Ooh. and so they're billionaires. And he he was talking about his theme for the year, and every year having a theme for the year. And next year, I've, I've decided my theme for the year is relentless. So the the main YouTube channel I have is flipping over to a more generalized global economic outlook with it, with it being a place where money meets mindset, um, which is really cool. I'm having a ton of success on that Mm -hmm. just recently. We're going to have the Canadian Real Estate Channel that uh, is new, of course, that will continue to cover the old school stuff that people started following me for and then uh, then is building out as much education as we possibly can around what Mm -hmm. is really complicated topics like whether or not you want to follow a forecast to make a million-dollar decision.
2: And uh, us three may have a surprise at some point in next mm-hmm. year that we won't say anything about yet. But we're working on something in the secret lab right now. That's um, going to be epic. Which will be absolutely epic. Steve, what about you? Twenty twenty four. What's on the docket? Uh, I'm hoping to hire finally.
1: Ooh, I have a good prospect. Things are looking good. Um. I'm hoping to do that. I want to. I'm. I'm taking a bigger role with um, not only volunteering but uh, education, um, with the brokerage as well, mm-hmm. um, with McDonald Realty. So they've been great. Um, and it's just about trying to elevate the the profession a little bit and uh if everything goes well hopefully uh as richard robbins always says giving starts the receiving so if you reach out and help people grow uh ideally it should come back to you tenfold and i'm a greedy realtor so i just want it all for myself you know do you have a word for
2: 2024 a word yeah. um
1: no let's i don't know maintain <laughs>
2: <laughs> trying to get my weight back trying not to go back up 40 pounds Okay, that's all right. That's all right. I, I think mine's just going to be focus. My my word for last year was calm. Trying to do things in a calm manner, and that shit will hit the fan. But if you kind of just let it happen, and there's a Jamaican saying, "There's no problems, only situations." Kind of looking at life like that. Um, you want? To I, I have a different
1: one. I have a different
2: one. That's a good
1: one. I like that one too, but I'm going to say travel this year. I actually have four trips planned so far and I I have never done that in a single year before ever. Um, So I'm actually going to try and enjoy my, enjoy my family and all,
2: you know, uh, finally, Nolan, one thing that we should talk about for anyone that's listened or watched this long, long, are you taking on people that you're helping them grow their YouTube channel? Is it just real estate focused or is it
0: anything focused? Are you still doing that? Oh yeah. Um, so that's another big piece of it. Is definitely actually, I just had fifteen people join us as we're recording this on a Zoom call on a mastermind. They're catching it, uh, the last nice. part of the show here. Hopefully, you guys are okay with that. But yeah, yeah, um, definitely taking on a lot of real estate clients uh, in the YouTube space and outside of uh, the real estate industry as well. Putting together a course on on how to do that and build out a channel that is unlike anything that's in the industry, it actually talks about what we talk about, which is how to actually succeed on YouTube and, and build an income from it. So that's uh, that's definitely a direction that we're we're taking and, uh, and yeah, have some really great information on that and some, yeah, it's gonna be a game changer for a lot of realtors as they need to scale because the phone isn't ringing. The people who blame Canadian realtors for propping up the real estate market Don't realize that over the last two years, realtors really didn't have to prop up the Canadian real estate market because it was consumers that were just phoning them off the hook. They didn't Mm -hmm. all they needed was a license and the phone was ringing. Uh, These realtors are starting to realize now that that's not the case anymore and they need to scale their visibility and, and by far YouTube's the best way to do that. I love it.
2: Well, uh, I hope you guys have an awesome uh, New Year's Eve and, and and you know, good fortunes, obviously, for everything going into 2024. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast this year on behalf of me, Steve and Nolan, who's been on this show more than anybody else. I know we all really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you guys next year. Bye. Like and subscribe.